Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. And welcome to the Didi and Lital Show. And we're remote today. And Didi is in the future. Hi, Didi. Hi. Morning from the future. Hi. So I am in Melbourne, Australia, where Lital, tell us what time you're in. 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. And it's Hanukkah. First candlelighting of Hanukkah today. And I am on Friday, 7 a.m. Friday morning. In Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Melbourne. How's it going? It is going awesome. So first and foremost, the best thing. What's the best thing about me being in Melbourne? What's what's the temperature, Lital, where you are? Summer. It's summer over there. It uh, is summer Yesterday here. was the first snow over here in Boston. Yeah. It didn't stick, but there was real snow. And yesterday was... Yes. And yesterday was 30 degrees. I, I, don't, I don't do bullshit. Measurements you should know by now, the 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 fake, right. the fake units, and so a little bit of uh, Cisco Live updates. Cisco Live in Melbourne is really nice. The theme is it just for Asian Pacific. Who is coming to the APJC and us Ciscoian? I think that's what we are. All of us are here. A lot of us are here. It's. Mainly has been themed around AI, AI and AI. Surprise, surprise. Uh, So Cisco has launched, at least Cisco Security has launched an AI assistant that basically helps people manage their firewalls in a more effective way. And I'm a big fan of that. If you remember a, a long time ago when I built Cisco Defense Orchestrator, we had like a command line that you could ask can DD access a resource? People back then didn't like it and didn't trust it. Now with LLM and ChatGPT, people trust that mode of interaction a lot more. So this is really, really cool. And also... You're the only one that don't trust ChatGPT. So it's not that I don't trust ChatGPT. One of the things that I'm concerned about when we talk about like monitoring the firewall and I know how much resor- how many resources and how much effort went into kind of dealing with some of these very complicated situations. I'm just wondering how people will be willing to take actions. So as and how much people are willing to trust the output of Chat GPT for something like that. To say, you know what? We trust interacting with the big LLMs to kind of get an output that's related to my business. It's okay. It's, it's, you know, a co-pilot telling you, advising you versus actually automating the actions taken. I think people are pretty open to that, but that is wait and see, right? Yes. So this is very needed because most places, if you remember when I was dealing with the firewalls, most places have 10 million firewall rules on the firewall and people never delete them, just add more to them because they're afraid afraid of making a career-limiting firewall change. So it's not, anyhow, it's not humanly possible to actually handle it without any sort of automation. 
Yes. So that's the big announcement. It's nice. very, ex- it's very exciting. It's very interesting. Um, and uh, the other parts that we were focused on is the unification of the secure edge and the SD-WAN, which yeah, is something that's that will put... That this is no, not no, going to be it, kind of a feature of everything new. No, no, no. This is this is an this it is interesting because this is something that brings basically networking and security together, which I, I really like because it actually is part of the strengths of the company. We were always wishing for this to happen. Now it actually did. It sounds like you're having good time joining I, corporate. Um, I am, and also I had a lot of very interesting customer interactions. I've learned a lot about interacting with Japanese companies. Very interesting. Very, at some point, I'll solidify my thoughts when it's not at 7 a.m. to give uh, startup CEOs a little recommendation of how to deal with some of the non-U.S. markets or why, or understand that maybe you should focus just on the U.S. market. Let's take a, you know what, that's, that's a topic to take. But with that, maybe we, we kind of move into the topic we wanted to discuss today. There is this great belief that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Basically, culture wins the day. And I'm here to debunk it. I think oh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to debunk it first. And this is, this is going to be fun because producer Dave, you know where I'm going to start with debunking that culture is stupid? Culture is stupid. Can you can you give me a hint? Yes. There's this lie in Massachusetts. Big, big lie in Massachusetts. It's called the Patriot's Way. That's, that, no, that, I, don't think, I don't think you need to debunk it. I think that's been debunked. Debunked, debunked into the ground. But, so that if you work really hard and you treat people like cra- like crap, and you replace the talent one year ahead of time, and you don't give your quarterback, your amazing, so good-looking, very gifted quarterback, the best contract ever, uh, this is the way to win. And we've now discovered that that's complete and utter bullshit because talent wins. I would say product market fit wins. No, no, no. We have this discussion. Yes, exactly. Talent wins. Talent, if you have Tom Brady or you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to win games. If you have an amazing, amazing, amazing team, you win. As soon as you stop having an amazing team, you can have culture, you can have something. Even strategy is a little bit of bullshit because... It's calling something. So... Let's start by, I would say, I was in several companies that had wonderful culture, that were all about culture. I was in companies that had okay culture, or maybe culture that is not well-defined. And at the end of the day, there was no correlation, never, between results and outcomes of the company and the stickiness how much people really love the culture, none. Some places, you know, people really, really loved, but poorly performed from a business standpoint. 
and look out there. There are so many of those organizations, you know, look at Spotify. They are the place that everybody raves about the culture. Is it the culture that makes Spotify a Spotify? Hell no. It's the product that makes it great. And you will say it's a talent. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about the talent. It's a product market fit. It's the fact that they had the right product in the right time to the right customer and make it win. So we're in the debate right here, but I really, really want to debunk once and foremost the story about culture and the obsession of building culture. Because yes, it may attract some people. Sometimes it attracts the wrong people. Maybe it helps retain people, which is an important thing for a startup. But at the end of the day, your company outcomes are not going to be due to your culture. I haven't anywhere. So I'll give an example. So there's a couple of things about culture that people need to know. That if you don't help formulate the culture, if you don't meticulously kind of guide towards a culture, a culture is formed. And it may not be the culture that you want. So when we started Lockhart, CDO, Dennis and I, I think we were talking about this at the podcast. uh, One of the senior engineers came back with the Spotify culture manifesto and he wanted the Spotify culture. And he said, there's the agile manifesto and everything is a discussion and everything is a conversation and kumbaya. And Dennis and I basically said, fuck no. Go listen to our Viking ship. This was was pre our Viking ship. So the, when this and I were confronted with this, this was pre our Viking ship. And we said, no, no, no. Our culture is Soviet. You work hard, you shut the fuck up, and you get results. And the, the, the idea is that we knew that if you don't introduce guidelines of behavior, and that is like the, the pillars of what you believe in, like, the our concepts of be honest but kind and that everything is and get shit done these are like guidelines of how the organization should be handled that's not culture but you do need these you basically need two things you need a big goal something like a target that you want to get to we had our 200 customers in ort we had 3 million in revenue we had very very clear goals a very clear goal, and everything had to be focused on that one, one goal. Everybody says OKRs, and I have this disdain to OKRs. Doesn't matter. Goals. Everybody, everybody needs to point to the same direction and go there, but that's not culture. Culture starts of how to make these rules you put in place into the fabric of the company. And that's where things fail, because a lot of times... Companies succeed in spite of their culture and not because of their culture. Because what happens in many, many, many times is, I'll give you the Peloton example. Their whole culture was built around the idea of the best gear possible. The whole thing was 
around the bike and they fail to realize that they're turning into a media company because of the culture. And you'll see, and one of the interesting things with Microsoft, for example, is they had to shift their culture from a Bill Gates obsessed company style of we're going to cater to developers and the best developers possible. And there was the famous developers, developers, developers thing that, that Balmer used to do. And they had to understand that now they're a cloud company and that required a lot of shift. It shifted from being focused. And this is something that you'll see in a lot of organizations that they have this culture. Are we engineering central? Are we product centric? Are we woke, hug trees and DEI centric? And they obsess about what they are versus thinking of where they need to go. So that's where I think people kind of get misled because the culture can aid in where you need to go, but you need to have a where you need to go. And that's not strategy either. That's that's supposed to be a vision and direction and the ability to pivot. And one of the things that's very important... Is how you get to your goal, right? If your goal, as you said, is... 200 customers by the end of the year. That's a goal. Mm -hmm. Your strategy is how are we going to get there? Are we going to acquire them? They they will be in that segment. Are we going to get them through this and this avenues? And then the culture is a mean to an end. The day-to-day activities that your team is doing is a mean to an end. Strategy is a vehicle. I think what people are confusing is they don't have a goal. Too often, they don't set goals or the goals are not ambitious. They're not united. They're not uniting the entire team. The team has two different goals instead of one big goal that they go after. And then, as you said, instead of treating everything that as a mean to get to the goal, there are kind of like different um, activities that go on of we're going to create a nice, fun culture. We're going to have, I don't know, developer-first culture. We're going to have this and this and that. If it's not a mean to an end to get to your strategy, it's it's a nice, you know, maybe social experience. At the end of the day, it's not going to help the business, not necessarily. So again, if you're in the business of creating social experience, of creating a team. A lot of founders, they want to group people together and have fun together. A band, you know, are you a band? You want to jam. If that's what you want, awesome. Go jam together, have fun. That's not a business outcome. Um, so if you're a group that wants to do something together and have fun while doing it, awesome. Create that culture for sure. Not For me, culture is things like the Patriot way. That's the best way to exemplify it, culture. Culture is Spotify, that agile mentality. Other companies that I've seen have similar, embraced the Spotify-like culture or embraced the uh, Israeli military culture. The Israeli military culture is something that I, I found it to happen 
And actually, you need to guard against it in Israeli startups. So if you're an Israeli startup founder, there's Israeli army culture. You and I are very immune to it. Brute and... force things? What? Brute forcing. That's the Israeli but culture. It, it, it's not just that. So it's something you need to be very, very sensitive towards. And I, I've been uh, allergic to Israeli military culture, uh, mainly because I've served for so long. It's very male-dominant. It is. It is. It, it, it even makes the women behave like men. It's aggression first, aggression second. And as somebody that's very aggressive, they do the honesty without the kindness. The other thing is the neon light culture. You can't leave the office. We want to be in the office. You can't leave the office. You need to stay until late. Everybody stands there and, and yaps, 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 yaps around the kitchen because in the army, nobody pays for the time. And a lot of time, Israeli army culture is not very budget aware. Almost every Israeli startup I've ever worked with had no concept of how painful the cogs are. Why? When Asaf and I built our first virtual database that was like a fake green plum, we were doing this on 10,000 VMs because it's Israeli army budget. It comes from Uncle Sam and nobody gives a fuck. Ask for your money. Exactly. It's, a, it's, somebody, it's, it's somebody else's money versus a startup that is like us that is super frugal and you think of every cent where it actually goes. So there is, you'll see in a lot of the Israeli startups, you need to understand that the military is not there. The hierarchy is not there. And a lot of people that, especially people that came together from an army unit, they bring that army unit culture. And then they're surprised when the first time they interact with Americans, American sales, that it clashes. Or American marketing, it clashes. Because that people don't listen to orders. They don't behave in that certain way. And people are more sensitive to feedback. It's, let's admit, feedback is a gift and you need to be able to receive it. But this is something that I find very valuable in the Israeli army culture. But we need to handle it with very care. It's well, that, that's also a fallacy because we saw in October 7th that it failed, but there's that questioning, the question everything. Remember when we talk about the banana story? And I think we mentioned it in the podcast multiple times. When your boss tells you something and the first thing you say, that's a stupid idea. That's very much Israeli army culture. And some people don't react well to that. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to account for that. So that's another thing about culture that you need to be aware. It can lead you to a certain level, but it's a problem later on. So if you're a startup, if you're, you are one of the co-founders, one of the early ones building a team, how much you need to think about product market fit, strategy, and then team and culture, in your opinion? So product market fit in GTM is the most important thing. 
you need to think of it is is the culture helping me or in my way and also you do need to uh, i view the the culture aspect is more as an episotomy than uh than anything else you need to avoid toxic cultures so it's not create a culture it's the avoid a culture it's avoid a culture avoid know where where toxic cultures come from the cultures of discussion over execution there's a lot of this of let let's be oversensitive if you if your employees come to you with this nice employee manifesto that doesn't have a line about execution that's because they read it from spotify you need to kill that in the bud if people come back with you see that people are very turning into a very aggressive behavior against each other that's another culture forming and you need to deal with that and don't be in love with your culture because you need to understand that it might need to shift something that was really really good and i i think somebody that you talked to near polak from exabeam used to talk about the the culture that worked in a very tiny organization and when you try to scale it it has it it, it breaks you need to to know when the culture needs to shift i agree yeah. i think it's it's a tool again i'll come back to a culture is a mean to an end and i totally agree that first and foremost culture is what how not to behave it's more important to define this no nos in the organization for example as you said bias for action like too much talking not not making a decision we're not supporting that or for example on the other hand not listening or not creating a safe environment for somebody to voice their opinion if they have a different opinion that something like we need to have this capabilities to do that but also to have the disagree and commit like have a discussion and have a mechanism create a mechanism for people to even if they disagree commit and go move not having people no way I, i think it's stupid so i'm not going to do that so i think again very important as a mean to be able to build toward the strategy that you have towards your gtm goals totally yes and the other thing is never assume that the fallacy of behavior contributes to your success very much like the patriots way that people assumed that the thing that made them successful so people are very um very indoctrinated towards behavior and i'll give you the, the there's the exa- uh, example that people talk about in sociology i don't know if that experiment ever happened or didn't happen but there's a story about the monkeys that you put a ladder with bananas up on top of the bana- uh, of the ladder and you put a bunch of monkeys in the room every time a, a monkey goes up the ladder you hose all the other monkeys in the room with with cold water after a couple of times the monkeys prevent anybody from going up the ladder and you can replace one by one members of the group and they will never let anybody go up the ladder without asking questions i don't know if that experiment is true but it's a very funny experiment idea and 
in terms of people's culture, you'll see this happening a lot. That people think, no, this can't be done. In in Cisco, there was the kind of this fear of building a sim because there was a big failed sim experiment a million years ago before I even joined the first time. And every time somebody wanted to build a sim, everybody told them, no, 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 you can't build a sim. Because history is an important thing, you know, organizational history is something that is pervasive. Yes. So understanding that these things exist and you need to take action to make sure that you don't have that mon monkey culture because at some point they take away the hose, they take away the, they, they replace the whole group and they take away the hose and still nobody climbs up the ladder to get the bananas. So you need to know when your culture is preventing you from experimenting and doing things. And you need to understand, um, is your culture, is your culture telling you fallacies and you don't look and introspect of what makes you successful? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, and it's more than, than, than product market fit because sometimes, let, if we get, go back to the Peloton example, Peloton culture was geared towards middle-aged work-from-home moms. It's not culture. That, that's the product proposition. You have mixed. Okay. okay, I'm mixing it. But the idea was everything was geared towards even the conversations that the instructors were giving which was very geared towards that, that was the ideal customer profile. That's the ICP. That's the market that they started with. They wanted later to expand, but yes. Um, well, so. A lot of times what happens when you talk about UX and UI, the, the company itself embraces the profile of the ICP. And then it's very hard to shift because let's say you're in education. So you take on the persona of the education uh, ecosystem. You are, you sell towards Peloton, towards, you embrace as your culture, the culture of that ICP. And you see this a lot. And then you can't, and Microsoft with the developers, developers, developers. I actually, it's wonderful. If you think about it, I, I do think there is something about great companies selling, understanding the ideal customers and, you know, mimicking them or even hiring people from that. When I worked in this education technology company, all the sales team was former teachers and they were successful selling to school districts. They come from school districts. They know how it works. I think same, the best salespeople or, or sales engineers are those that have been practitioners. Um, but, that, but that makes pivoting almost impossible and the markets change. So you need to do this at a very, Microsoft had to take massive hits to learn that they needed to shift from developers to cloud. Right. And then and, you probably need to bring the right practitioners to bring in. Do, if you want to have, to, yes. but you don't need to, you need to understand, but if you get stuck in the culture of those personas, you're not able to shift. And that's my point. That if you're stuck in the Patriots way and you don't understand that right now Gen Zers need TLC and not asshole 
grumpy guy, you'll continue losing. This is where you need to evolve. A great example, by the way, of this is the Bruins with their ability to evolve their culture. The fact that they're willing to tolerate the fact that they sent a coach that got another team into the Stanley Cup because they understand that this generation needs a different style and a different culture and a lot more hugging and a lot less ass-kicking. This is the understanding of what culture you need to have to win and you need to understand that culture is very pervasive and very indoctrinated. And if you love the culture and not understand that that's a tool, that's a problem. I think we've been now going in the loop a little bit. Yep. Is it to wrap up? Time to wrap up. Tell me something from the future. Something from the future. I, I see in my future a lot of Australian barbecue. That, 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 that's what that's I... That's the plan for today. You lost it there before coming back home. So don't forget, I'm flying tomorrow at one o'clock. So and that and that's and that's a stay. And arriving for... before that, <laughs> something no, like no, that. No, this is where the East Coast kind of screws me, because when I fly to the East Coast, it it, it kind of screws me over. So with that, good luck flying back in time, and that's like around the world in eighty-one days. You're doing around the world in uh, five days. With that, let's wrap up. Thank you again for listening to the Didi and Vital Show. We are a weekly podcast. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Goodbye. Bye.